This podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app. So you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Stores. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Well, welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me once again is former Leicester City captain and legend Matt Elliott. Good afternoon, Matt. Afternoon, Rob. Good to see you again. How are you? You good? I'm all right. I'm all right. Cheers. Yeah, ticking over. We had a bit of a late one last night. It was uh, Leicester in action against Birmingham City, the FA Cup, and another quarterfinal. Uh, to look forward to. They're doing this on a regular basis now, getting on a few cup runs. Yeah, good habit to get into, isn't it? It looked like it was going to be an even later night at one stage, didn't it? They left it till till late, the Foxes, that's for sure. But Birmingham came and set their stall out, didn't they? Not to lose, um, not to you know concede anything too easily. If Leicester were going to get through to the next round they were going to have to work very hard for it and that proved to be the case it looked like it was drifting towards extra time but Birmingham just ran out of steam a little bit didn't they it's very hard to to be disciplined and dogged defensively without too much adventure um, as there, there wasn't in the second half there their moments in the first 45 but uh, yeah, eventually you felt something was going to give something was going to crack and uh, the little Portuguese Right back popped up in the middle of the six-yard box, didn't so what he? What is a right back doing in the six-yard box, three yards out from goal in the 82nd minute? No, I've got a, a brilliant player. Like you say, he's, he's so low maintenance. You know, every day he comes in, he trains. The intensity he plays the game, that's how he trains. Um, always wanted to get better, wanted to learn. Defending's got better. And then going forward, he's such a threat. You know, whether he's crossing, he's looking to combine. And well, like you say, he showed his power and... And his jump, it was, it was a great header, you know, he was jumping against the centre half from a standing jump. Great ball by Mark to, to keep it in play. And like you say, it was a, it was a great, great header to, to win the game. So uh, now he's he's up there with the, the really top right backs at this level. And uh, now he's he's consistently been first class. That's bizarre, That's, wasn't is it? it? He's, he's not your usual stereotypical right back, is he, Ricardo? No, he's not. And he was up there for... For a little while prior to the actual goal as well, because I was I was working at the game and we mentioned on the commentary that hang on, Ricardo's up there for he needs to get back and he stayed up there for the duration and Ben Chilwell broke through and the ball went across in Albright and just sort of lobbed it hopefully into an area and of all people Ricardo got his head on the end of it but uh, what header it was as well because it was only a soft looping cross wasn't it and. He's done well to get power onto it. Brave as well, because the defender was coming across him. But, um, yeah, he was the hero last night. And the captain all round, yet another good performance all, all round from um, Ricardo. And, uh, yeah, saw his side through. But uh, it needed something like that. I was speaking earlier in the game, Ben Chilwell ventured into the penalty box a couple of times um, in the latter stages. 
uh, of Damari Gray's time on the pitch, he was joining up with Ian Acho rather than just staying out wide. It was all a bit systematic uh, for, for Leicester. You know, up until half time, really, they didn't look like making a breakthrough. Looked more threatening in the second as they just played a bit more off the cuff and the game opened up a little bit, didn't it? Well, Birmingham went into the game on the, the back of a 13 game unbeaten run, but I don't think they won too many of those. They've, no. been, they've drawn most of them because they've been so resolute. They've gone back to that 4 4 2. I mean, Pep Clotet was saying that he wanted them to play in a continental fashion, but then you look at your squad and you've got uh, Gardner and Kiftenbeld and s- some of these enforcers in midfield. It's probably mm. not suited to them. So they've gone back to uh, a 4 4 2. That's got them out of. Um, out of trouble in the in the championship, and they made it very very difficult for Leicester. I know at half time you could hear the frustration, sense the frustration amongst the crowd because Leicester haven't been on the the greatest of run of form uh, recently, and, and a lot of people were saying things like it was reminiscent of Claude Puel. They were playing sideways, they were playing across the pitch and back, but they just could not break the lines of the two banks of four. No, there were the good signs early on. James Madison in particular was picking up good positions. That that dwindled away, didn't it? Really, Birmingham came to terms with how Leicester were playing. And, yeah, they didn't have that enough finesse or a pace about their, their play. You're right. And it all was a little bit predictable, wasn't it? Side to side. And once you do that, once you slow down, yeah, the pace of your attack, then you're going to struggle against two defensive uh, rows of four. Um, and they were well drilled as well, weren't they? They, You know, you could see it from the sidelines. It was, it was so evident the way they were setting up and... Jukovic was dropping in a little bit on Ndidi, so he didn't have too much time to get on the ball, in certainly not in advanced areas. Hogan was always a threat on the counter. I thought he was very clever with his movement. And it was a definite contest in the first 45, but Leicester up their game, perhaps for a sharp word or two from Brendan Rodgers, at half-time, uh, more crisp with, with their play. And they always looked like sooner or later something was going to happen and like I said before, the, the longer the game goes on, the more difficult it is to to stay disciplined and dogged defensively. And um, eventually something opened up. It was important for us to get back to our game tonight. Um, every team has a blip and every team has a, a, a little wobble at some point in the season where the results go a little bit. But, um, but these players have been absolutely incredible over the course of the season and, and since I've been here. So, uh, and, and, and their honesty will... We'll we'll, uh, we'll get them back to the level. But I thought tonight, especially in the second half, that was much more like as you know the, the speed of the game, the intensity. The crowd were great because in games, I guess you have to be patient. You know, you have to work the ball, and and the crowd recognised that. You know, this was a Birmingham team that was tough to break down, but they stayed with us, kept the patience. We kept going forward, and then eventually we get the get the goal. So uh, yeah, delighted for the guys. A clean sheet as well, which was important. You know, showed that robustness as a team as well and uh, yeah, get to the quarterfinals. Well, the, the key is always in the cup is to get into the next round. They're in the next round. They've got Chelsea at home now in the quarterfinals. And as I said, it's another quarterfinal. They're doing very well in the cup. The, the disappointment of that Caribou Cup semi-final defeat at Villa Park, that's got to be driving them on now to get to Wembley this time, hasn't it? You would think it would work as an extra spur, um, without a doubt. You know, certainly as a, a manager... You would put that point across to your players and use it as a motivational tool. Um, listen, it's, it's a game of football. It's a it's a tournament. It's a competition that you should be focused on winning, irrespective of what's happening externally in other competitions. But yeah, I don't think it does Leicester any harm. The fact that they've gone out of that 
competition, the Carabao Cup, unexpectedly and tempted to say undeservedly, but Aston Villa did a job on them. Um, you know, it could quite easily have gone the other way. It didn't. Frustration sets in. We'll take that frustration out on the opposition in the quarterfinal, which is uh, up against Chelsea, uh, a repeat of two years ago. When yeah. unfortunately yeah, Pedro Header knocked uh, Leicester out that night, wasn't it? Yeah, the Pedro Morata score as well, yeah. that, didn't he? Early on, didn't he? Pedro got the winner, didn't he? But it was frustrating because there were so many changes to the Leicester lineup, and uh, yeah. I know the fans were a bit frustrated with Claude Puel at the time because they felt that he didn't quite take the cup competition seriously uh, enough, and an opportunity had uh, slipped away as it did in the Caribou Cup when they got knocked out by Man City that yeah, year. But that's right. No, Red, not... Rogers seems to be different though this time, Matt, doesn't he? He seems to be fielding. I mean, there's only three changes last night. He's fielding but, strong sides. Well, I, I think it's fair to say he's got the balance right, hasn't he? Because he's made a lot of changes in both cup competitions in the early stages but with a purpose and you didn't feel that the changes made weakened the team to any huge degree where it was going to cost them um, their time in that competition because you know, they, they've they've won with resounding victories in, in particular the Carabao Cup in the early stages you know, superb performances as well which has enhanced us the confidence of the group, certainly at that time. And I think you saw that last night, really. It, it was effectively what a lot of people would consider his first choice back eight, if that makes sense. Like the back four goalkeeper and midfield three. Um, and then, OK, up top, no Jamie Vardy. And ordinarily, Harvey Barnes would be in there and A and other, whether that's Gray, Albrighton, Perez, whoever. So it, it wasn't a million miles off his absolute full strength. And I think that sent out good signals, one to the players and two to the opposition as well, because they knew that they were in for a tough time. They brought their horde of supporters, didn't they, who, who backed them uh, all the way. But even they sort of sounded a little bit fatigued towards the end, didn't they? Because it, it was a big effort from the championship side. But it was a big result, though, for Leicester as well, not just in terms of venturing through to the next round but also just regaining a little bit of confidence getting back on track a bit it's nice to get a win I think they showed that it just sort of um, came back to them as players you know they're thinking well, they're meant to have the extra class and the extra quality and eventually that told it must be quite reassuring that's the word I'm looking forward to hang on boys yeah, it's a reminder there that you are good players we are good players I'm a good player you know, there's a reason why we are where we are in the league. Come on, and we've shown it to a level in the second half. They weren't at their free-flowing best, but they were comfortably the better team. Um, the right result went through, and now they need to push on and take that up another level on Monday night against Villa. Well, of course, on Friday night, um, it was a defeat at Norwich, a game that could have gone either way. Again, there was a controversial moment when um, Kelechi Nacho had that goal Disallowed. Now, I wrote a piece after that game looking at the reasons why um, Leicester City had suffered this blip since the new year. And statistically, in all aspects, they're very similar to early part of the season in yeah. what they've been doing. But the one big difference has been chance conversion. When they're getting a chance, they're not hitting the target. Norwich was the third game on the bounce without a goal. What have you made of the recent form? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you, you can scrutinise all many different areas and I'm sure statistics, but like you're saying there, in terms of, it's not too much difference, but they, they don't always give a true reading, do they? You've got to be watching the game itself. 
Yeah, you could look at that and say, okay, chance conversion isn't as high, but maybe the chances are more difficult yeah. than they were. You know, not as clear cut. So rather than a tap in from six yards because you've carved the defence open, you know, you might be shooting from 20 yards on the angle with your weaker foot. So I, I think there is an element of that. I don't think they've had the creativity in the final third that they have or the just that little edge about their play is, for me, a little bit, lightweight at times and it's all a little bit nicey-nicey. I think there needs to be a bit more devilment, maybe generally, but particularly in the final third. Be interested to see what the, I don't know how you would gauge it statistically, but you know, in terms of closing down and upsetting and unsettling the, the opposition in advanced areas, that seems to have dropped well, that's off. certainly something Rogers has always been looking for, the mm. intensity, that, that press. And it, and it has been noticeable that hasn't quite been the same level as early in the season, has it? No, I think they definitely they set their stall out, didn't they? At the start of games, to make that impression. You know, I, mean, I can remember reporters saying, you know, like a baying pack of hounds. You know, it's a bit of an exaggeration. But the description fitted to an extent in terms of, you know, they were hounding opposition players down. But um, less frequently uh, of late, I would say, and that, that's maybe a reluctance to or a dip in confidence because they're not sure whether to go because if I go and they do play around me, we're in trouble and safety first mentality. So it all filters through. I think there are you know, different different factors. Jamie Vardy hasn't been That's uh, a big factor, sharp. is it? I mean, since yeah. he picked up, cause he's had three niggles since the new year and that's yeah. got to be a concern for Brendan. And a baby. Three, that could be a film, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> three three niggles, niggles and a baby. baby. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, all these, I mean, joking aside, it's not a criticism of Jamie Vardy. I, when you have an, a newborn baby, it can affect you even without you realising. You know, sleep patterns, etc. And you're doing a little bit extra around the house and your mind's focused on other things, understandably so. I'm not saying that is, of course, he'd probably refute that. But the little niggles as well don't help. He doesn't get in a rhythm. He's not getting the supply as well, though. I'm not, I'm not personally worried about Jamie Vardy's situation. That will come back round. He's had many droughts before. But he's not getting clear-cut chance. I don't think he's getting involved in the games often enough. And Madison's form's taken a little bit of a dip. Is that because you know his effect in terms of stats uh, are going downwards? Certainly, you know, recently, you know, is that because he's coming too deep? He wants to get on the ball and trying to force the issue. Right, because I saw a stat that he hadn't uh, created, or hadn't assisted in a goal since the start of the season, since like August or September. I mean, that's a, a long mm. time of the player of Madison's quality. Yeah. And I thought he was the one guy that was going to unlock the, the, the Birmingham defence He looked like night. it early yeah. on. But that's a long time for him to go without it is, being but, that sort of influential. But, yeah, but again, is, you know, is he creating opportunities that aren't being converted? But yeah, I think you know, it's a collective thing, isn't it? It's almost sort of... It's been niggling away, hasn't it? Like there's just been a slow... Decline and then a, you know, a little little rise in performance against West Ham, and you think, okay, this, for want of a better word, dodgy phase is uh, is over, but then it's not. And you know, Norwich was the sort of game everyone expected them to win, and they c- could have done it, it. It was evenly contested, and Norwich uh, having a scrap, aren't they? You know, they're trying to turn things around. It's do or die situation for them, and they, they've got some decent players. But I just thought. It needs to be a little bit more robust, and then may, maybe something they do miss in Didi. Yeah, no, he, he's a huge player, and in our squad, we don't have the depth to carry that and miss that level of player. You know, the few players that are out, 
you know, a lot of the guys that come in they contribute so well. But when you have one of your best ball winners in, in the Premier League out for a period of time, of course you you miss him. So the plan was to give him an hour and get some game time into his legs and uh, yeah, it was great to see him out there. There's loads of these little factors as well. Yeah, exactly. When you look in there, without indeed, I mean, Hamza Chowdhury, I know Hamza well, I'm a big, big fan of his, I, I love him as a person as well as a footballer. He, he goes in there, but he's, like, he's, he's relatively young. I don't know, Wilfred's no experienced campaigner. He, he does have that presence. He does make a difference in there. We got He's missing, Jamie Vardy's missing. Um, you just one, you look around the team and they're, they're quite young and they're, they're very nice lads. You know, they're not used to being in this situation, some of them, although you do have the experience, obviously, Johnny Evans, Casper, and others. But sometimes on the pitch, who's going to guide them a little bit? Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash athletic and pay the postage of £4.95. And, as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Athletic Podcasts, you get two extra free beers. So that's ten free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest craft breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise, then, that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea... Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, and a beery snack is thrown in just to top it all off. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash athletic to get your free case. And don't forget, right now, the athletic listeners get two extra free beers. Is that where Vardy's missed the most? Because he does seem to set the tone. When he's really at yeah. it, when he's firing, he sets the tone in terms of the intensity about his closing and, 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 and the whole, he leads from the front, literally, yeah. and everybody else seems to follow. And without him being in tip-top form, even when he has played, uh, despite Kletchy's form as well, mm. um, do you think that's been the biggest issue? I think it's another factor, for sure, yeah. Because he is a talisman, leader, the top goal scorer as well, but everything he's done in his career, how his career's gone, the personality he is, players do look to him. You know, it's natural. And you said there's quite a lot of younger players, I wouldn't say youthful players, but younger players, you know, in and around him, even the likes, you know, Tillemans is still a young age, still developing, Barnes and, and Gray, etc. Even Madison, you know, he's still development process. Um, Dennis Pratt as well is you know he's feeling his way in and you know that I think that they do look to Vardy to, to spark them off and inspire them and if if he's a little bit off off key off colour who's going to take over that mantle and there's a little bit of that I feel I feel and uh, not that they aren't characters in their own right but just the stage of their career and you know, how they how they feel in in that level of football you know they go and I don't know just pick up the mantle a little bit you can't be yeah. over reliant on Jamie Vardy to lead them through as well as score all the goals just need a few more characters in that side a bit more strength a bit more experience somebody like a Tielemans then picking up their baton yeah but okay, well even with Tielemans you know, excellent players not having the 
best of times himself. Not at the moment, he's been out of the team well, a few yeah, weeks, hasn't he? You know, in and out, him and Dennis Pratt are good friends, but uh, rivals in a, in a roundabout way at the moment in terms of getting a place in starting 11. But, um, no, but again, Tillemans is, uh, people will you know, respect his football as a teammate, but he's not an up and at them character. I mean, I don't mean shouting, ranting and raving, but certain people drive you onwards, don't they? And indeed, he is one of them. And again, he's been... A big out, loss, hasn't he? Yeah, and it, and last night, example as much as anything. I, mean, I imagine that was pre-planned last night when he came off on, on yeah, 60 Minutes, but he was sat there the with out. ice on his knee on the bench afterwards as well, which is always a worry. Although I saw him in the mix zone afterwards and he was walking absolutely fine. So yeah. fingers crossed he's going to be absolutely fine for Villa on uh, on Monday night. But no, yeah. you're right, he's the big character now in that, in that midfield, isn't he? Yeah, he's the enforcer, isn't he? And other players can do a job in there, but they don't have the same sort of inspirational influence... That, that Wilfred indeed he does. Um, also, the, the opposition, they have a little look over their shoulder when they know he's playing because they know they're in for a difficult night. There's going to be legs and arms and any other pieces of body coming at them all night and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough task for them. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's a big player. But all, the, all these little bits and pieces, I, it's certainly not time for panic and... Uh, you know, t- t- fretting too much. And I think they've got the right man in charge. He, you know, he's been experienced in these sort of situations previously with mixed fortunes, but obviously more positive than not. Um, at Celtic, you know, winning the trophies and the run into seasons. He'll have dealt with it, got experienced himself, and he'll pass that on to the players. Hopefully it'll have good effect. The one area that probably... All Leicester fans would like to see Leicester improve is in that final third. And without Vardy, there has been a, a lack of penetration. Barnes went on a great run in January, didn't he? Four goals, two assists in six games. Um, Ozzy Perez's form has been in and out. But um, last night against Birmingham, we saw a rare chance for Damari Gray on the left and Michael Brighton on the right. For, for me, they didn't quite do enough in the game until... All Brighton obviously got the assist towards the end, but Damari was a little yeah. bit disappointing. I've done a piece on Damari's sort of career at Leicester City, and he's he's now into the last eighteen months of his contract. Now, traditionally, Leicester for the the, the youngsters, the top youngsters, like to get into them very early and get new contracts sorted for them. Yeah. To, so then, don't normally let them go into the last eighteen months. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each hand-picked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands, including established names and up-and-coming designers. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co dot UK forward slash athletic. Want to get to your thoughts on facing your club? For the first time I spoke to Richard Beale this week. Yeah. He was telling me how you how you got on at the, the club. The club looked after you. He said you were fantastic when you were there. Happy days for you, really. Yeah, I feel like with Bealey for a long time. 
when I was really young and obviously he progressed to the um to the older age groups, yeah they are worked with my luck but obviously I, I enjoyed my time at Birmingham and obviously I've come through there, developed there to get to where I am now so it's nice to uh not revisit some memories of Yeah, great ovation from the Blues fans as well when he came off. Yeah, it's a nice reception to obviously receive. Um, I'm like pretty surprised because you know Birmingham fans are good with their homegrown players and obviously it's a mutual respect thing. I'll always <coughs> respect the club and you know it's nice to get the same back. It was one thing we were saying was about how you and Nathan um, Redmond have always. The two of you have always been a bit of inspiration for each other. Yeah. You both followed very similar paths. Do you yeah. agree with that? <clears throat> yeah, to this day. You know, me and Nathan still speak now, and obviously not as much because you know, I'm here and he's down in Southampton a lot, but you know, we've got a lot in common and we have a good relationship. And growing up, I remember watching Nathan on you know, the youth team, and he was always a standout player. And you, know, you, see, how, you see how well he's doing uh, now and how much he's matured as a player. And, you know, like I said, I go to him sometimes if I need some advice or just need to talk to him about football or whatever. But, yeah, it's a, we have a good relationship. And, like I said, Blues bring through many good players. You know, me and Nathan and there's many others and Jude coming through now. So, he says a lot about the club. He's a couple of years ahead of you, though, isn't he, Nathan? I mean, he's had his little spells where, you know, he's in and out of size and had to be patient for that, you know, for that for all to click together. Is, do you feel that's the same for you at the moment? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've had a bit of a similar route. That's why I said I do go to him sometimes because mm. if you look at how he's doing now and how he's matured, how he's almost you know like a you know, one of the most important players at Southampton, and that's down to his performance. You know, he is someone I would go to, and he's a, he's a good lad. And yeah, he's, I think he'll always be someone I look up to, and almost like a role model. How much do you have to be patient at the moment, though? Because obviously this is the first season for a number of seasons where you haven't had that many appearances. Yeah, it's very uh, difficult. Because I've always said I want to just play football, and you know, patience is, you know, one of the things I have a choice. Really, I have to be patient, but mm. I can only train and whatever minutes I do get, try and you know take them. Mm. You know, it's not always easy, but it's one of those things. And hopefully, I get back to you know consistent running games. The gaffer said you just need to get your numbers up in the final third. You know, your assists and your goals. Yeah, of course. Like I said, when I get you no know, runner games and opportunities. Hopefully I can do that, but at the minute I just have to be patient and try and continue to work hard. Yeah, and what about the future? Because you're into the last 18 months now of your contract, I believe. Yeah, um, I had a few conversations with the manager over the course of the season, but you know nothing too much you know, on that. Right now, I think it's just you know we're at the last 10 weeks, 10 games of the season. So I think you know it's an important time for the club. Uh, we've got targets and things to achieve so I saw I'm you know thinking about and when I play hopefully I can help the team achieve the targets well the, the gaffer said in the, the press today he said he's going to have conversations with you after the end of the season about that yeah no it makes sense um, yeah well, I said I'm not really thinking about that to be honest yeah Damari brilliant thank you very much for your stopping mate is this a really pivotal time for Damari at Leicester City do you think yeah I would say so I would say his Leicester City future is in the balance right now. Um, obviously, you know, with Brendan still sorting out the squad that he would like, ideally, or as best as possible that he would like. Um, you know, it's inevitable that the comings and goings at the end of the season. Um, tomorrow, Greg, he will be disappointed last night. You know, 
forgetting the fact of who the opposition were. I mean, there was a bit of a tension on that before the game. I don't th- personally I don't think Damari needed that yeah. <laughs> or to focus on that. It doesn't matter. You, what you want to concentrate on is impressing your manager and your team, and your supporters, if you like, the manager most importantly. Uh, it doesn't worry about Birmingham, whether it was Birmingham City, Man City, Exeter City, whoever it was. Um, it's a, you've got to step up to the mark at some stage. You know, everyone knows about his ability um, that he has within him, you know, physically and technically, but it's just applying it in the right way, isn't it? And it's becoming frustrating for observers, but no more so than Damari himself, really, because he, he, you could see that when he came off the pitch last night. Um, you know, he, I think he threw his gloves off and uh, you know you could see there was a bit of dejection there another missed opportunity uh, he has the potential without a doubt that's why Leicester signed him and, and on occasions he's shown it but you've got to get that level of consistency haven't you and I don't know that like you know for any player I'm not saying that that time has come yet but your chances his time runs out uh, you, yeah. know, you get so many opportunities to to prove yourself, to be reliable and consistent at a certain level. Um, things need to happen for him, happen fast. But unfortunately for him, after how it went last night, coming on, the, the Harvey did, Harvey Barnes did have a little bit of an impact there. And there, there was a sort of a swing in, in, in the balance of play when Harvey Barnes came on. And unfortunately, it's going to be a little while yet again before Demari probably gets his chance in the first thing. I mean, you can point to the lack of opportunities he's had and that's obviously difficult to get consistency. But also, his game seems to have changed as well. Looking again at his stats from when he first came to the club, he was averaging something like six dribbles, you know, ball carries, um, t- attacking the defence per game. That's down to 1.5 now. When he gets the ball, he moves it on rather than mm. doing what he used to do, which is to get going, get open his legs and take on uh, defenders he, he seems to be lacking a little bit of confidence in that area for yeah me. yeah I mean some of that I think somewhere in between those two figures that you mentioned probably about right because you don't want to be doing anything every time mm. you, you, you've got to mix it up particularly as a winger you know the ex-defender myself occasionally I would find myself very rarely, and uh, <laughs> I didn't seek the uh, the confrontation in a one v one situation with a winger. Um, but obviously, talking you know with full backs and giving them encouragement or maybe advice on how to deal with it within the game, and or, or since then have been a coach and speaking to wingers or whatever, and also, you know you used to speak to Steve Cup, you're like just mix it up. You do the same thing, you become predictable, then people clock on, they switch on, and they deal with it. But, um, you know, take them on the outside a couple of times, then they're going to expect that nip on the inside. But there was, you know, Brendan Rodgers maybe encouraged him to be part of the team ethic, not to be self-indulged and run at defenders all the time, but use your attributes, you know. And I don't think Brendan Rodgers would discourage him to. Harvey Barnes as well at times, I think. There have been occasions when he doesn't 100% back himself, He's got you know, raw pace and power, isn't he? Just knock it and go. Test them out. Yeah. You know, it's old school. It's not anything you know too creative. But test them out. And if you've got the beating of them, then you'll soon know. And then do it again and again and again until they come up with something that stops it. Then all of a sudden, they'll be dropping off you and giving you an extra yard. Then you can do a bit more with the space that you're given. But see, so, you know, just 
it's not overly intelligent plays. It's basic wing work, really. Um, you know, maximising your abilities. But uh, yeah, well, I, I thought there was an instance last night when Coletti and Nacho swept a lovely reverse pass on the half volley into Damari Gray. And he's one-on-one with the right-back, Colleen. And you thought, right, go on then. Here's your chance. Really test him out. Go for the throat. Knock it and go, whether it's inside, outside. And he was a bit tentative, as you say. He was three-quarter pace. And the fullback slowed him down a bit and centre-halves were getting back and covering. And he did what Damari Gray did, a little left foot step over, cutting on the right. Colin blocked it with ease. He knew what he was going to do. And he lost lost the moment then to really make an impact. And uh, I saw his head sort of went down. And, oh, right, that, that was a great chance for me. And I've, nothing's materialised from it. And that took a little bit, sapped a bit out of him, I think. Well, I hope he really gets uh, back to um, his top form because he's a good lad. Uh, yeah. I've spoken to him many times. And, and I, th- I think... Part of the problem is he thinks a little bit or worries a bit of, uh, too much about it at times and um, mm. takes it a little bit too much um, to heart. But that's only a sign he cares, which is a good sign for the future no, of his career. Yeah, that's right. No, listen, he's a talented boy, isn't he? And I think that's why different managers have persevered with him because they can see what he's capable of. But, like, you know, any player... <sighs> listen, I, I, I like the good-natured lads as much as anyone, but it's not about that, is it? It's about, no, no. you know, professional footballers. Um, Sometimes they've got to be a little bit nastier, aren't they? Yeah, you've got to produce at the mm. end of the day. And, um, you know, Demario Gray's no different to anyone else. You're there to be footballers. And, and I don't know, I wouldn't say he's not even... I'm sure he's trying to learn, but you're not seeing the evidence of it in mm. his performances. Well, talking about getting a bit nasty, um, another incident last night, not at um, Leicester Birmingham, uh, was at um, Sp- Spurs Norwich. In the last minute after the uh, the penalties decided it, Norwich through to the quarterfinals. A great fillet for them, a good week for them, having beaten Leicester and giving them a glimmer of hope of survival in the Premier League. Now to reach a quarterfinal of the FA Cup. But there was a strange incident where Eric Dyer goes into the, the crowd apparently to defend his brother who was who got into an altercation with a, a fan in the in the crowd. It was a really strange incident to, to see players going into the crowd, certainly in England. Yeah, bizarre, isn't it? I mean, the obvious one that springs to mind is... Mr. Cantona. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> We're still is, seeing that now, aren't we? Oh, yeah. It was, it was an anniversary of some sort about it recently. We celebrate it? Was, that incident. Was, I know, yeah. I'm not sure that's the right terminology. But, yeah, I mean, thankfully, there was nothing too untoward. I, I don't think there was... Uh, there was an altercation by, by from what you're hearing and mm. what's being reported, but nothing too violent, too sinister. Um not as yet, anyway, and hopefully that remains the case. But yeah, it was slightly bizarre to see. Uh, Have you ever seen anything like that before in your career, Matt? Playing in full strip, like clambering over the seats and everything, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I've never seen him no, climbing that far into the stands. No, no, <laughs> I mean, I've seen you know, a few players turn on supporters, etc., and you know, have a slanging match or whatever, and yeah. voicing their opinions robustly, shall we say, to each other. But no, I, I can't really think of anything yet. Probably the closest I think back was an instance back in my Scunthorpe days, many, many moons ago, where a certain player called Billy Whitehurst ended up in the crowd. Um, if you'll just bear with me, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll explain, explain to the so origin of the who story. Is, who is Billy? Yeah, but for those of you who don't know, Billy he? Whitehurst was a big, bruising, bustling centre forward. Um, reportedly, in his time, bare knuckle. 
Street Fighter, okay? <laughs> I think a bit of a gypsy heritage. He's, he's nothing like the centre forwards these days. And he, he, was, he was a real bruiser of a lad and like a coal miner of a centre forward. And uh, had a decent career over a long period of time, went to many clubs, served a purpose for pretty much all of them. And he, he struck fear into the hearts of centre-halves across the country. I never had the pleasure up to this point of playing against him, but I'd heard about him. My, my defensive partner at Scumfort was a lad called Glenn Humphreys, who also happened to be friends with Billy Whitehurst. We were playing crew Alexandra in um, what would be then a Division 4 playoff uh, semi-final. Um, Billy Whitehurst, of all people, plays for Crew, the football factory. <laughs> complete contrast there. I don't know how he ended up there. And Dario Gardi would have brought him in. He was the complete opposite to um, any, any of the other Crew players. Anyway, playing the away leg, and I'm being told Billy Whitehurst is playing. Watch out for him. And I was like, Yeah, yeah I've heard of Billy. I'm not. Don't worry about that. I'm not phased by anything. Don't worry. Inside, I was thinking, Oh, I've got my hands full this <laughs> afternoon. Team sheet comes out, Billy White is not playing, got a niggling injury for result. But kept that to myself as well. Lads are like, oh, you're in luck today, Matt. Billy's not playing. I went, oh, I'd have sorted him out. Anyway, don't worry about that. Anyway, we, we, um, we drew the game. So I'm in the bar afterwards with my mate, Glenn Humphreys, who's Billy's mate, just ordering a pint. And then next minute, bang, someone's like dug me right in the back of my knee and just like buckled a little bit. And I'm, sort of dipped to my left turn around I said, what's the matter with you and I, oh, look there's Billy <laughs> <laughs> looking like alright mate and he went alright lad how's thy and I was like yeah I'm okay I'm okay he says I'll be seeing thee next week and I was like alright oh, okay you're going to be fit he went aye I'll be fit lad in the meantime, buy me a pint. So I was like, yeah, okay, what do you want? <laughs> do you want a shot with that as well? Whatever. But um, so bought him the drink, we had a beer, and a giggle, the three of us. And then the next Wednesday, the game was coming up at Scunthorpe, but Glanford Park. So we're sitting there in the change room, sort of waiting there, and the lads are going, oh, apparently Billy's fit. And they're winding me up. Billy's fit, he's coming to get you. I said, oh, Jesus. But trying to be cool. Next minute, we, we've got like the, the fan... Um, Windows at the top of the changing rooms that are angled, they're open because it's summer's day and decent weather. And next minute we've heard this big fracas, bang, scraping and scratching and shouting and swearing, everything's going on. Uh oh, it looks like the supporters are kicking off. All stood up on the benches, looked out the window. There's Billy Whitehurst having a fight with about six or seven Scunthorpe supporters, <laughs> right? I was like, oh, Jesus, I've got to mark this fella in a minute. And uh, my mate, um, he said, I told you, I told you, lunatic. I was like, ah, what will be, will be. <laughs> gone out, gone for the warm-up, team sheet comes in, Billy White, this is not fit. I went, oh, is that anything to do with the fight outside? You well, he's, yeah, he's been stretched, <laughs> an ambulance off to Scunthorpe local hospital. But no, he, that was unlikely to happen. But I was like, oh, that, that's a bonus, he's not playing again. I sort of got away with it. And the next minute, I had this big roar in the, the away fans at, um, at Cruise End up there. And he looked up, and you could see that the circle had been made, and there was one bloke in the middle who was like, at his top off and like, fist pumping on both sides. He had a can of beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and he's singing along this big song, and all the crew fans are singing with him. It's Billy Whitehurst, of all people. <laughs> he's actually, so he hasn't gone in the crowd to have the fight or confront anyone, but he's in there with the supporters leading the chanting. 
And I just looked at him. So this big bear of a man. I thought, thank the Lord he's not playing. <laughs> <laughs> and we went through. We got to the final. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we... we <laughs> That was a, my narrow narrow miss, narrow scrape of coming up against Billy White. So I've seen him a couple of times since, and he's a good lad. He's a yeah, good lad, yeah. don't get me wrong. But um, Did he give you some stick from the crowd from behind the goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretending not to hear it, though. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Brilliant, Matt. Well, thank you very much, Matt, for joining us on another edition of 5,000 to 1. Uh, join us again next week when we'll be uh, looking back at Nesta City's performance against Aston Villa. Hopefully a victory. Uh, get back on track in the, in the league. I mean, Villa have had... Um, a tough run in the league, haven't they? I mean, I know they've done fantastically well to get to the Caribou Cup final and it didn't go their way in the final, but uh, they're in trouble now, aren't they, in the league? That's going to be a tense old night, that. Yeah, well, big game, isn't it, for both sides, as you say. And Villa, have, they've uh, found themselves in a precarious position where they've been, they've been sliding for a little while, haven't they? Uh, slightly inauspicious start to the campaign and then they've picked up and people think, oh, they'll have enough. But I've had my doubts for a while, to be honest. Um, Samata coming in probably make a difference gives them a little bit of an edge they made a good fist to the final didn't they as best they could but that picking yourself up for the final of the Carabao Cup at Wembley is different to churning performances out and it's a worry when Dean Smith recently was it against Bournemouth that he, he criticised his team he's like Boys, yeah. that's not good enough and I, I don't blame him for doing that if what he's seeing is not up to requirements but the fact that they they can't pick themselves up and apply themselves properly week after week after week, that is an issue. That is an issue. And I think but Min's a big miss for them. You look at their players, God forbid if something's happened to Grealish, they're you know, they really be in trouble then. Yeah, then it does look ominous so for I think even with or without him, the way certain teams are picking up points now. It's, it's a huge game for both teams, for both teams. So it makes for a good encounter. Absolutely, because Leicester's gap is starting to shrink a little bit, you know, with each week and every sort of disappointing result that they get. Not being able to find that consistency from the first half of the team. So it'll be a, a very tense night, won't it, at uh, King Power Stadium, I should imagine. Yeah, well, amazingly, the results went for Leicester at the weekend just passed, didn't they? I mean, that, that was incredible. Only, I know the three teams didn't play, Man City, Sheffield United um, and Arsenal. But only one team out of the top 11 won. Strange leagues from the size of Premier League. Has that ever happened before? But good timing for Leicester because it it softens the blow of that defeat at Carrow Road. But they need to to get themselves in gear, don't they? Pretty quickly. Otherwise, it's going to be tense. Don't want to apply extra pressure onto the Foxes. But when you look at their final three games... Hopefully, they're home and dry by then. They want to get work done. Exactly. Get the job done before then. Because you you don't want to be relying on points in those last three games because they're going to be tough old fixtures. Well, thank you very much, Matt. And uh, I look forward to having a chat with you and dissecting that, hopefully, Leicester victory next week. Yep, that'd be good. (laughs) 